Hail, hail, the Celtics are here, and what the hell do we care now? It's the international break, and unfortunately, it was a wee bit bittersweet for, for us Scotland fans last night. Uh, away to Spain last night, and I think it was in Seville, wasn't it? It was. And uh, unfortunately, done by VAR. I'm just going to say it from the beginning. Absolutely mm -hmm. done. Got no idea what the hell's happened there, but yeah, it just felt like one of those nights. It, it kind of felt like old Scotland in that way, where you were just kind of waiting for the opposition to score, and anyway... We're here, to, we're here for the flagship podcast. We're getting to all things Celtic, of course. We've got transfer speculation. We've got fixture analysis, everything else in between. Uh, I'm Quinny, and also joined, uh, as always, by Josh. Josh, good to see you, mate. Hail, hail. Good, good to see you. Good to be back on the podcast. Celtic bounced back at the weekend from the Lazio game, beating Kilmarnock, and we are bouncing back with another podcast today. But disappointing result last night, obviously. I think when the, when the McTominay free kick went in initially, everyone would have been jumping up and thought it was going to be a fairy tale ending, but... Unfortunately, we were, we were robbed and I would love to hear the audio from the VAR room. But hey-ho, we move on. Um, I think Scotland will, will still qualify for, for the Euros. It definitely felt like that ref had a bee in his bonnet, like the yeah. whole game for us, you know what I mean? Like every opportunity, like even the stuff he was given to Spain, it was so like dice, you yeah. know, 50-50 uh, efforts. And he was, it was, it did feel, you know, like, that's what I mean, like old Scotland, when we've played Italy in big games before, or France, you know, there's been these big games against the big nations in the past that you've just been screwed, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, it had that kind of feel to it. That goal from McTominay, honestly, like I think the whole country probably jumped up at that point. And honestly, at that point, you're thinking, this guy is fucking Captain Scotland, man, isn't he at the moment? Just everything he's touching turn into gold and that's the part of you know it's not just oh it was a maybe we could have got a draw but it was like that's expunged from his record you know what i mean that's not yeah. a goal yeah you know i mean we'll all remember it and probably still look at it once in a while and i'll oh, remember that time we get cheated but yeah uh that's a that's a that's a footballing moment that it's taken you know what i mean yeah. and it, what was it for really i don't know, I, don't know. I think initially so they gave initially the foul and the referee goes to look at it in the VAR monitor, but then they come out and say it's offside. So I don't know why they're saying it's offside if the, red, the ref had to go to the VAR monitor. And I read on Twitter, Instagram last night that this same referee was done for match fixing a number of years ago. So that's quite an interesting point to note. Obviously, he might have just had an off night last night and some VAR controversy. But on the whole, I think Scotland fans will be proud of the players. Definitely, they gave their all and to be going away to Spain in Seville and coming away that you're feeling robbed of not getting something from the game is testament to how far the team have come. So yeah, a good performance in the whole and just disappointing not to get not to get the result. And then Stuart Armstrong, former self, had that chance as well at, at one 0 brilliant block by Rodri. If that went in, I'm sure it would have been bittersweet. But hey, we'll move on. And I think from so you're lambasting the Spaniards. We're going to be cheering them on on Sunday now. Yeah. And see, see one thing, I, I really enjoyed a lot of the early performance in the match. And see one thing that I thought was like proper Scottish was like, they tried to swap wingers and we didn't let them. We just stayed man marking them. And it was like, you're not, you're not escaping me, wee man. That was the kind of vibe from it. You know, like Sunday football, if anyone, if anyone plays like, if anyone's ever down at like amateur football pitches on Sunday or something like that or Saturday, it was that kind of, bully boy vibe of, you're not yeah. getting away from me, wee man. I'm marking you and you're not getting your, your time on the ball. And, uh, you know, it worked when it paid off. They ended up going back to the way they were. But uh, see, watching that Scotland game, regardless of the result, the form has been fantastic. But that game in itself, like, 
we have like that squad really is a real international team, you know, and we've seen this with some other uh, nations over the last, let's say, 20 years where they just click as a nation and they're a very good sum of their parts. And mm. it feels like we've got a bit of that magic going there now. And that's how somebody like McTominay can just keep producing. We can bring in guys like McKenna that were doing a decent enough job for the most, you know, I, I don't think anyone had fail marks last night. I think everyone did pretty well for the most part. I think maybe the subs came on and a wee bit of the momentum kind of got away from the, the team in some ways. But I thought Adams was decent in any way. We won't go into it in too much detail, but I do feel that Scotland are like, you know, properly walking onto pitches now, that whole team, chest out, chin up and, you know, like bring it, you know. So it's going to be an exciting tournament when we eventually do qualify for it and we can properly think about uh, arrangements and whatnot for the tournament. It'll be good fun. And it'll be a good uh, wee dress rehearsal because we're also going to be the hosts come 2028. 2028, yep. Yeah, five years away. So, you know, good wee dress rehearsal. We won't need to worry about qualifying for that one. So we'll be a host nation and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. Good time to be Scotland, you know. So anyway, all good. Yeah, definitely. I think the squad has improved drastically over the past number of years. You're going for calling up guys like, no disrespect to these boys, James MacArthur, James Morrison, people like this. And now you're having players like Scott McTominay, John McGinn, Cal McGregor as your midfield three. And you're giving up people like Lewis Ferguson on the bench, who's absolutely flying in Serie A at the minute. He didn't even play last night. So that just shows how far the team have come and how well Scotland are doing. 2020 will be really good. Looking forward to that one. Scotland aren't straight into that, I don't think, automatically. Uh, none, of the, none of the five nations are. What's happening there is they're all going to have to qualify in their own right. But if three of them do qualify, the two others will get in automatically. So, say, England, Scotland and Wales qualify, Northern Ireland and Republic of Ireland get in automatically, which is good to see. So that'll be great fun. Disappointing Celtic Park was not chosen as a host venue, but I don't think we're a five-star. We don't have the requirements to hold a UEFA It's the Everton Stadium. I can't even... Yeah. As soon as I seen the 10 that are on it, I'm like, Everton? Like, yeah. even if you look at the coverage of geography, you don't need yeah. the Everton Stadium there when you've got Man City. You I know what I mean? If you're looking for just covering, like, the spine of the country. Yeah. And, yeah, maybe Celtic Park doesn't really do anything to add into that, but... Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. St. James's Park, I was on the fence with as well, but I'm like, okay, I gives the north of England, I don't know, I guess something, but I, I'm with you on that. I think Celtic Park is an atmosphere for a tournament, Yeah, you know, yeah. like would be a, an amazing yeah. venue that would only add to it, you know, and whatever the requirements we don't have for it must be bullshit, really, because I, I, Celtic Park's quality. Yeah, one of the only requirement it is, I believe it's a under underground entrance for the buses, the team buses before the game. So Hamden's obviously got that all these other venues doing, we don't. So I think that's the only thing holding it back, really. That is nonsense, man. I think I've heard that before. That rings a wee bell for me, now that you mm. say that. But that is nonsense. Anyway, good time to be, good time to be following Scotland. And, you know, like you said as well, bit of a long intro on this one, but <laughs> we did bounce back from uh, playing Lazio. And me and you, Josh, boy, you know, I think we touched on it very briefly at the end of last week's show, but, you know, uh, we bumped into each other. We were at the Youth Champions League watching Celtic versus Lazio as well. And, you know, we thought this was probably a good part of the schedule, as it were, to kind of actually give it a bit of time, give it a bit of justice, because that was actually a really good, you know, like a good performance from Celtic B, from the Celtic Youth team in the... Uh, and a really good Champions League against a pretty good Champions League opposition, wasn't it? Certainly, like, they bounced back from their defeat. They lost the final in the opening day, 2-0. So to come back against a team the calibre of Lazio and get a result was really positive. 
I watched the B team the weekend before that, where they played the University of Stirling, the 1-1-0, and then they followed in that form to get the one all draw. It was great composure from Mackenzie Cass at the end of the game to score that penalty right into the top corner. I think he looks a talent, only 19 years of age, and I think, I don't know if you noticed it throughout the game, he was just constantly chatting to his teammates, encouraging them on as you'd want your captain to do. So that was great to hear from a young player doing that. He's only a teenage boy in, in the stage he is putting in that type of work is amazing. So very impressed by a lot of the, the young players at the club. They've not really had opportunities in the first team yet, which would be good to see going forward. Obviously, Rocco Vata playing in this one. He's a name a lot of fans are familiar with. Don't know what his future is at the club, but good, good result for the boys in Athletic at home in a couple of weeks' time again in the Youth Champions League. They'll be looking to get another result and points on the board. So Darren and is doing a good job with the B side at the minute. I quite like him as a coach. He speaks pretty well. When he does, uh, I think we both got to chat to him after that game. So, a, a good result, and the the only result we got that day that was good for us. Yeah, and like I'm, I don't follow that level of football like that closely, you know. So when I went to the game, I was maybe a wee bit blind, and it, you know, I wasn't too sure what to expect from either side. What would the entire level be like, and whatever. And yeah, I, I don't know. It was a wee bit like it's funny how you say. And I know just as be, I know it's only because of the way the Scottish pyramid is built. But it's mm. funny how you mentioned Sterling Uni is like the opposition as well prior to the game because when I was there in the stands anyone who's listening to this if you do watch like youth football you probably get what I mean but it did have that kind of feel of like youth football to it if you know what I mean very quickly you know like um, yeah. you know in, in some respects Mackenzie Carr stood out head and shoulders I think straight from kickoff after the ball got played around a couple of passes he was pulling the offside trap with him you know and he was pulling the defensive line up the pitch straight away and he was a clear leader on the pitch and uh, yeah I think I'm pretty sure the video's out on the channel. If not, it's my fault, so I'm sorry it's been uh, delayed. But I asked Darren O'Day after the game something about... Uh, see, I wasn't expecting, mate, to be one-on-one with him at all, yeah. as you probably know. See, mm. now when you go to this stuff, you're like a face in the crowd. And, mate, I was I made a right meal of it. But um, <laughs> questions were just far too long-winded and pointless, basically. It was more like podcast chat. You know, you say a few things, and then you let somebody pick up whatever they want. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, I know. I know. But he said to me in response to Mackenzie Cars, he expects him to get into the first team. Like, like he expects him to get start getting first team football. I forget his exact quote. You'll be able to find the video when it goes out, you know. But um, he's got a lot of high hopes for him. And he was head and shoulders, like a real, real uh, good player. I was looking forward to watching Mitchell Frame, the left back, who is getting Fab Rom tweets yeah. about uh, his contract extensions and all that good stuff. And he looked really solid. But between him and the names escaped me at this exact moment, sorry, but... Uh, the, uh, I think Cummings it's Cummings Daniel Cummings it is Cummings and then uh, another one of the boys in midfield three of them are just powerful boys mm-hmm. you know like really strong like get on the ball get in possession don't really put a foot wrong you know progress the ball and uh, yeah I, I thought they all like I I, I, I think the second half that uh, Mitchell uh, frame kind of came into a wee bit more life and a, f- a few more of the balls went down that side of the pitch, whereas mm-hmm. in the first half it was more on uh, the right side for uh, the guy Bruno. Bruno, 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 Bruno Davidson. Davidson. On that him, guy, by the way, he's cool. He's a cool. Yeah. I-, I like that guy. He's quite a tall, imposing man, and he's a bit different to what you're usually expecting of a wide man. But he's he's only 19, 18, 19, but he looks about twenty five. He looks so much older than he is. The boy, he's got a full grown beard, long hair. He looks he. He doesn't look like he should be playing for the B team, but he, he looks a talent as well. I think 
you were talking about the boys in midfield. Kyle Ure is one of them. Uh, he just came up for the under 18s last season, and he, I think he skied that chance at the beginning of the beginning of the second half. So he looks a talent. There's a lot of talented players. Touched on Mitchell Frame there. He got his new contract. Good to see that. And he will be. He's only 17. He's playing for the the B team in the youth league games at under 19 level. So he looks a big, big talent. And he came off the bench in that game against Stirling Uni. I was at, and he set up the winning goal with a brilliant cross into the box and obviously we've seen what he could do there so he's one to keep an eye on I think having Mackenzie Cass and a couple of the other boys are looking are looking good yeah I'm trying to think who else impressed me as well we had a new signing as well uh, playing in at right back Liam Bonnetig um, Liam Bonnetig yeah so Bonnetig played and uh, yeah it was a lot of eyes on him as well and with so in the first half in particular everything was coming down the right hand side for the boy Bonnetig and Davidson. And that Davidson, like, you know, he didn't do anything, like, amazing. But he's one of these guys that everything he done, like, when he had the ball at his feet and he got phased up with a man, if he didn't keep possession for us, he beat the man. He would take him out of the game. He would go down the line yeah. and he would, you know, he would actually get us up the pitch. Played a few balls into the box. He actually played the ball. He might have even won the penalty. Did he win the penalty? But he, the ball came from his side. He kind of drove down the right-hand side as it came into the box for the penalty win, I think, anyway. But he was um, someone who, as the 90 minutes grew on, he kept that kind of tempo up, you know, because, I say, he didn't do anything like, he wasn't doing hundreds of stepovers and dribbling by three people. Mm-hmm. But when you can consistently beat your guy, get to the box, deliver, beat your guy, get to the box, deliver, for 90 minutes, like, all the way through. Uh, because, as well, like, the, the, the way the youth team defend, like you say, they're very well coached. He tucks right back in, you know, in the first half anyway. He was tucking right back in because their left winger, the, the wee Fernandez, the guy that scored, um, yeah. he was yeah. their main threat. So when he was going right in, Bonatig was following him, and then mm-hmm. Davidson was coming all the way back into right back in the first half. You know, he was really tucking back and, uh, you know, I think he touched every part of the pitch, to be quite honest with you. So there was a lot of really impressive performances. And I say, I went in not really knowing, you know, really what to expect. Lazio had some real... It's funny because I met some absolute legends at the game as well. Uh, who'd, I think they'd maybe even, they definitely watched the Feyenoord match anyway. And they were saying that Lazio don't, didn't look quite as good as mm-hmm. Feyenoord. Feyenoord looked like a totally different level in some respects. Mm-hmm. But Lazio had some really, real good players. And it was it was interesting to see, oh, that's what a standout looks like in mm-hmm. their youth system. You know what yeah. I mean? And then what does a standout in our youth system look like? Yeah. And, you know, that takeaway from the game, I was really pleased about. Yeah, I was really impressed by some of the Lazio boys. Sana Fernandes, the young left winger, he's only 17, he scored the goal, he looks a big talent, and their two centre-halves are absolute Rolls Royces, yeah. I think, the boy, their names escape, Dutu, I think, the Romanian boy, uh, he looks really good, and yeah. partner alongside him, they looked like Paolo Maldini's both at the heart of the defence, they're pinging diagonals here, there and everywhere, so they were really good, but equally the Celtic players are good, and I think we matched them for level, which is, which is yeah. great to see, uh, particularly when it's a Serie A Italian side, Italy produced some great players, but it's good to see that Celtic are matching them for level in terms of their youth system. Atletico Madrid in a couple of weeks' time will be a whole different challenge. We know they are a European heavyweight, uh, as are Lazio, but the boys will relish the challenge and, and look to get a result and look to build on their point because it would be really good to see Celtic get out of this, get out of this youth league group. Yeah. What's really funny, I, I'm really looking forward to watching the Atletico uh, Madrid Youth Champions League game because, and again, this is maybe just a wee bit of trivia for football geeks or whatever, but like there was this like agreement in Madrid for years that Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid wouldn't poach players from one another. So like yeah. if I could play signs for Atletico, Madrid don't come and pick them. Yeah. And Atletico agreeing not to do the same 
is just a bit of a token thing because if you're signing for Real Madrid, yeah. you know, Atletico Madrid aren't exactly, you know, anyway, you see the point. But anyway, like last summer, that was like dissolved or something like that. Some sort of thing happened and that's it. Uh, that's kind of been broken up. So Atleti and their main team, as we'll see when we play them for the senior team, uh, they've got two or three guys that have came through their youth ranks that are now in the first team, like mm-hmm. quite quickly. And uh, I know because they have started pinching guys from Real Madrid, they're actually getting guys now and saying, like, you know, we'll actually get you minutes eventually yeah. a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the level of that team will be very interesting to watch as well because um, I know there's been some movement since that that pact, that agreement has been like disbanded, you know, that uh, peace treaty, as it were. So, um, so yeah, your Champions League was good fun. And then the Kelly game, we were coming into that expecting for a bounce back result, hoping to get. You know, a decisive result on the pitch, clearly just keep that domestic momentum going and really compound in any positives that we could take from the Champions League performances on, you know, the play and whatever. Um, it feels like a long time ago, but the Kamarnock game, Josh, what did you make of it? It was a really good performance. Uh, Rio Hitati coming back to form was massive. He scores the goal, early does to get his going, nutmegs his man and finishes into the bottom corner. Great to see Luis Palma score as well. Obviously, had the disappointment against Lazio to bounce back from that. Showed great resilience. Seen Greg Taylor chipping in with a goal as well. All around, it was a good performance. Um, everyone played their part. Some nice passages of play. Could have been more than 3-1. I don't think 3-1 was probably a fair reflection of the game. Celtic could have had more. And Kelly didn't do too much. Despite them scoring, they sat in as we were expecting them to do. And Celtic dominated the play and put in a really good performance. They went 10 points clear for the Saturday night. Obviously, the big... Second view, third clash in Paisley. Didn't probably go the way we wanted it to, but sitting seven points clear at the first and uh, the second international break of the season, sorry, is massive. And I think if you offered that to anyone at the start of the season, they would bite your hand off for it. So the boys are doing really well. And they had a point to prove against Kelly because they're the only domestic team that had beat Celtic so far this season. And obviously the League Cup game, so they've done they done just done themselves justice getting the win and a good victory and seven points clear, like I say. Having a look back at the team now, see if you just look at it, Burns Eye View, it is like the best 11. It's the first time it's been put together probably this year, if you agree that Scales is the future. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so Vickers is in, Hitate is in, Palma's in, obviously Palma gets the goal, like you say. But I was really impressed after this game. I'm glad you mentioned him very early because sometimes he's easily forgotten. Um, but it was Greg Taylor, you know, because again, overcoming another set of challenges of he won't be good enough, he'll get replaced, he's not on form, he's not working. You know, he's went through that in the first five or six games and the last two or three, certainly, I think we've got we've got uh, the good we've got Taylor from, from last year, which we were worried about losing. So it was great to see him come in with that goal. And, you know, we kind of mentioned this before recording about the whole Scotland chat as well. Maybe he'll play against France as well, which will be pretty good for him experience-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he didn't play, he didn't come off the bench, which was a wee bit odd. Maybe not entirely, because maybe Patterson's fancied it right back quite strongly. But, yeah. So Taylor, I thought was a, a winner from this yeah. game as well, and maybe someone that's maybe been forgotten about or not spoken about as much. I, I would agree with you actually, because I don't think many people have spoken about him in terms of outstanding performances so far this season. And he goes and goes and gets the goal and shows and popping up that goal. He's saying, "Here, I'm I'm still here to contribute. I'm still a member of this first team that's gonna it's gonna do well throughout this season." So it's great to see him get that goal. Obviously, it's probably a, a bit of a lucky tap in at the back post, but. It's a good flick on for Dyson my head, and he, and he gets his studs on it against his old team as well. So it's good to see him. Good to see him get grab the goal. And Greg hopefully can go from strength to strength now going into the tough run of games that we have. But yeah, 
touching the Scotland game would be good to see him play there as well. Yeah, let's hope so. Him against Mbappe, you know, hurt <laughs> him belly or something. Oh, that'll be good fun. Um, but we, 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 Dyson Maya does not, you, you mentioned him there for the flick on, he's not went away on international duty. He's picked up yep. maybe a little knock or something. I hope that's yep. just, uh, you know, Japan are quite cool with like, I think if he's injured, ah, cool, just stay at home, we man. I think they're okay with that. So hope it's nothing too serious. But that did feel somewhat rehearsed, that front post flick on from Dyson, because he did yep. try that more than once in that game. And we don't have a, you know, we do have some height in the team, but we don't have lots of it. So it's nice to see there's another another route to go trying to be found there. Um, so yeah, I kind of forgot about that part of it, but yeah, like that a lot. And yeah, looking at it as like a best eleven potentially, like if we were to roll that team out now for let's say the next, because the fixture list we've got coming up is pretty chunky. You know, we've got uh, both sides of Edinburgh, we've got Madrid twice, and we're going to get it back up in front of us. We've then got top of the table clash at home at St Mirren. Away to Ross County, which is definitely top four away fixtures probably for difficulty. Sandwiched in amongst this Atletico Madrid tie. And then Aberdeen and Motherwell. So this is, uh, you know, that's probably the best 11 that we've seen. I think on paper, form, calibre of the squad, etc. How often it's, will we see that team roll out but over the next like seven games? That's true. When you've got a tightly packed fixture schedule like we do, it's tough to keep a consistent start 11 throughout it. Just touching on my Ada yesterday, I seen him in town yesterday pushing oh. pushing along a suitcase uh, just around about four corners so he was with his daughter and his wife so I don't know if she's obviously back in Glasgow now from Japan uh, Hitate Kyogo just on Japanese national team are playing Canada now Alistair Johnson's playing for Canada so it'll be good to see them reunited but starting 11 yeah it's tough to have that consistency when you've got a tough run of games like we do obviously you want to keep that core of players in there your Kyogo Hitate O'Reilly Carter Vickers Johnston but if there's a change here and there, probably not going to be complaining, whether it be Maeda dropping out for Yang, Palmer dropping out for Tilio when he's eventually back fit, that type of thing, Paolo Bernardo coming in here and there for the odd home game against Motherwell or something like that, so I think it is going to be tough, boys are going to be, need to be on it, we've got two really tough away games to the capital coming up and then sandwiched in between that is home tight in Madrid where we need to get points, we need to get something up and running in the Champions League. So they've got a tough task when they come back, but it was good that we ended that block of games just there on a high. I think a lot of the players and Brendan as well were touching on this mantra of this block of games that we had. And they eventually came through that unscathed. And it was good to see the to see the win against Kilmarnock. But now it's about trying to push forward and gaining a new level because we can't deny that the run of games we've got upcoming is much tougher than the games we've just been playing. So the boys are going to need to up it again. But they are champions. They know what the squad is, a treble winning squad. Okay, one or two additions here and there, but an under a manager like Brendan have got no doubts they can hit the heights that they can do and, and go on to strengthen their position at the top of the table. I think the strength in the squad is definitely going to have to come and show itself in this time, you know, because this is the this is the period where it's on a knife edge, you know, in terms of any chance of getting third. We really we really need to unfortunately go and do it the hard way and get points where you really don't want to need to get points because yeah. we've dropped them in the last couple of games, you know. But I think, you know, that Kamarnock game, we, so many things kind of clicked in the right kind of mode. Kamarnock, obviously, in case anyone needs reminded, knocked us out of the cup and did pretty well against a few other teams this season already. So definitely a good uh, kind of yardstick to measure the squad against in that respect, I felt. And I hope the domestic stuff, we, we are back into that vein of we score three or four every game. And we spoke about this around the Feyenoord fixture because before we played Feyenoord, they beat somebody by like six or seven. And we were all like, oh, they just scored six or seven. 
you know, yeah. and that's hopefully the tempo we're building up into. And, you know, it'll be difficult to achieve anything like that, of course, against Hearts, Hibs, St Mirren, even Ross County away, don't get me wrong, but that has to be the the goal, the expectations of chance creation, possession and everything that we're doing so that if we are going to strike a bit of gold, get a bit of magic at home to Athleti, maybe away in the Wanda Metropolitano, then mm. that's the kind of levels we need to be striving to hit and push for. And, you know, looking at the Champions League games individually, as all Celtic fans have, obviously, at the time, we aren't that, I don't think we're that... There's been lots of disappointment, but equally, it's not that far away, you know? So <laughs> it's going to be a really crucial part of the season. And I hope to see that best 11 roll out as often as we can possibly get it, mm -hmm. because particularly the midfield, you know, we're, we've actually been linked to someone. We can maybe talk about that in a minute, but without Hitati, without O'Reilly, you know, I think McGregor's hard to replace equally as well, right? But I think in terms of actually beating teams, without mm -hmm. one of Rio or O'Reilly, without both of them, like, we are not the same animal, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think they echo your points in the Champions League that it's been fine margins. So, such fine margins. You look at the Feyenoord game, going down to nine men, and to only get defeated 2-0 after going down to nine men was, was terrific for us. And then, obviously, Lazio, whom we all know the script there, undone by a, a jammy last-minute goal. So that was unlucky. It's just fine margins in the Champions League for Celtic. But the midfield, I'd agree with you, Hatati, O'Reilly and McGregor, it just clicks. They're so good together. They know each other inside out. They've been playing each other for a, just about a year now, to be honest, and they're doing really well. You could notice at the start of the season when it was kind of Turnbull coming in, maybe home coming in here and there along with O'Reilly and McGregor. But Hatati is, is a missing key element in that team. And under Rodgers, that was the first really time we've seen him click into gear under Ange last season. Obviously, he was terrific throughout a year and a half he spent with Postacoggle. But now with Rodgers, well, we weren't really impressed by him at the start of the season. Obviously, got his injury, but then he signed the new deal. And now he's going to look to kick on. I hope so, man. Big time. It's, it's great uh, great contract extensions as well for, for those core players. So let's make sure, let's hope they, they stay fit and healthy and in good form. And this segment the season could be pretty tasty but yeah like i kind of touched on there like we have been linked earlier today to mm -hmm. another player from the k league from k1 and oh, i've actually had his name ready on screen and i've lost it on oh, no, it's there it's jung ho yun who is currently playing in central mid for guangzhou in the k league and he ticks a lot of boxes it looks like a really creative midfielder can beat a man can get into the box play some final third passing is he maybe somebody, Josh, we are looking at as an understudy to Hitati, perhaps? Potentially. I feel like the thing at the minute is with Celtic's midfield, you've just got so many options. Quan is not touched a blade of grass barely since he's came to Glasgow. Odin Holm, Rogers has openly said he's a development player. You've got David Turnbull in there. Maybe that's something they're looking at because Turnbull obviously played ahead of Hitati when he was out injured and now his contract's expiring. So maybe that's the situation they're looking at. He's a younger model, probably has a higher ceiling than what David Turnbull does. And he's got a gold medal for South Korea at the Asian Games recently. He's exempt from military service for his country, which is a plus. He's 23 years old. He still has room for development. But his team, they won the second division in South Korea last season. And now this season they're sitting third in the table, 33 games in. So... Doing pretty well as a dark horse in the top tier in South Korea, but he, lo he looks a talent. Um, I just hope fans don't take this stance of 
Tara and all these South Korean boys will bring in with the same brush, oh, Yang and Kwon, because you just simply can't do that. You can't, well, what's the word I'm looking for? You can't assume all players are just going to be the same just because they're bought from the same league in the same country. That is in no way the case. You can see it with Japan. Idiguchi came in, he didn't do well. Kobayashi's come in, he didn't do well. But you've got guys like Hitati, Maeda and Kyogo have come in and been absolutely terrific. So you cannot use that mantra. So it would just be interesting to see if, if we do get this one. Um, pulled off but it shows that the club are actively looking at their recruitment even though it's only October that we're being linked with a player right now this is the last game this team played they played Ulsan Ulsan are like a regular like Champions League team in Asia if you get me and you know away from home beat them 2-0 and the wee man has done pretty well winning a bunch of tackles in midfield and then when you see a lot of successful duels that tells you like O'Reilly and Hitate do they're beating men you know they're they're, they're succeeding in duels or going past their man and then he gets lots of points here. He's making assists, attempted assists, so big chances created. You know, he's laying the ball on to other people that are taking high XG shots. They should be scoring. Uh, none of his things led to assists in this game, but he still led to pretty good result doing both sides of it, tackling and you know defensive work as well as going forward. So that's pretty good kind of ID that we're looking at. But I think part of the business like we've done in the summer <clears throat> that we've been critical of is the ambition the ceiling of it you know it feels like a lot of the players we're getting have got like good floors like they're not going to be like absolute uh, handicaps of football players hopefully for the most part but I think what we're lacking is some guys that have that really high ceiling of this guy could be a superstar this guy could be a real game changer for us as a team or you know this guy himself could be a prodigy whatever you know we've we kind of stumbled into jota because jota wasn't even seen to be that in benfica that's why we got him you know um and you could even argue if he even is that with his current standing in the game you know <laughs> but, yeah. um, the point remains you know we're not uh, it doesn't feel like we're seeking out enough of those high ceiling guys you know so i like this guy he looks cool I'm sure he'll do well, and let's hope we get the deal done sooner rather than later, get him in swiftly in January, like we did. I think a big part of Alistair Johnson's success was he was in the building like mid-December or something like that. Like He left the World Cup and came here and then just waited for the registration and debuts to come. So I like that type of move, and so overall, I don't mind this, but it doesn't really change what I thought we were missing. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think midfield is probably... And honestly, one of the last areas I'd be looking at in the squad to upgrade, particularly like Paolo Bernardo's another one we've got as well. Maybe that says a lot about what Rogers thinks of him if he's looking at this guy. But or, I, home. or home, yeah. Home it shows what he because home wasn't even home was signed before Rogers was appointed as manager, I think, or there or thereabouts around about that time. It, was, it seems like a bit of a hot head for me, some of his comments on social media and things like that. And get sent off for that rash tackle, but that's just an experience. But this guy looks good. He, he looks a promising player. I think every player we look at tends to have a bit about them. So it's just about him coming in. Hopefully, if we get him in early, if we even do sign him, because I think it's only interesting we're monitoring him at the minute. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully, hopefully we can maybe get this one done before full January. The other things we've got in the notes uh, in terms of kind of what we've been kind of meaning to get up on. Uh, kind of talking about Korean players, obviously, who we've been linked to. We have a few of them already. We're expecting O to play for Korea in this international break and. Uh, you picked up on some quotes from Yang that I hadn't came across. Yeah, so an uh, exclusive interview with Celtic TV. Uh, he was speaking about settling into life, obviously, in, in Scotland and with Celtic and such. And he said one of his only problems uh, about the transition so far has been the language barrier. 
making it hard to communicate with his teammates on the pitch. Obviously, coming from South Korea, he, he doesn't not speak much English. Um, so, yeah, and he also admitted in that interview that he was a bit nervous in his Champions League debut against Lazio. He's only 21, 22 years of age, and it's probably the biggest game he's played in his career so far. Yeah. So, you can understand why those nerves were there. I don't think he didn't do himself, he didn't do himself not proud, if you know what I mean. He, he, didn't, he didn't put in an awful performance, but at the same time, he, he wasn't it wasn't exceedingly good and Palmer came on and made the difference but you can see why he had those nerves that's completely understandable for a player of his age coming to a big 60,000 seater stadium in a Champions League night and obviously the language barrier is something he'll probably just look to work on over time I don't think it'll be too much of an issue for him you look at Hitati, Kyogo they can't really speak a word of English but they're still excellent players for Celtic so this guy it won't cause many issues in honesty it's just about him getting used to the experience of playing Champions League matches, big games. When it comes to Glasgow derbies, hopefully he's not feeling that same sense of nervousness again. But I think Yang's still got a long way to go. He's showed his potential in flashes, what he can do. He got that assist up at Pataudry for Matt O'Reilly. He's, he's come in, he started a run of games. Motherwell, Lazio, obviously, and Dundee at home. So interesting to see what he can do once he gets used to life in Scotland and starts developing because that's one thing we forget when players come over here from the other side of the world it's a total new way of life and new way of living they're distant from their family their mums and dads they're not living at home if i think if either me or you when he moved over to south korea and had to play football and we're playing in front of sixty thousand fans we'd be nervous too and it would there would be issues so fair dues to yang for for buckling down and and doing well so far because we can't fault him to be honest in his efforts yeah, I, I was actually, I, I wanted to give him such a glowing perf- review after the last year game, to be honest with you. So I think, like, I think the way I summed it up is it's like the best, like, five or six out of ten performance I think someone's probably played for Celtic in the Champions League because he was just so close to doing, like, so great and it just wasn't there for him. And, but, you know, I think he's got very good technique and a lot of other stuff I said at the time I won't go over. So kind of hearing those quotes, that makes me, that really reassures me that, wow, that's actually, if that's one of his big barriers to, Mm-hmm. getting that last five percent into his game then that's something that will just happen in time you know there's nothing it's one of those things that you know time cures a lot of problems but you can't just you know click time on to something you know like <laughs> you just need to love it so yeah. no, i find that quite reassuring which is quite cool um and yeah we had uh, some quotes as well from rogers talking about the chat he's had with rio in terms of the intensity he needs to bring and this kind of rings true from what we've seen really early season he got dropped after the bilbao game as we know and then when he was like earning his place back into the squad, he brings the injury. He's trying to come onto the pitch from the bench and bring extra intensity to win his spot back. And obviously he's uh, caused himself a wee bit of injury with it previously, but it feels like now he's getting, he's been working up the minutes. If you look over the last couple of games, like every game, it's incrementally more minutes, more minutes, more minutes, essentially for Hitate. So uh, it feels like we've worked him up pretty well. And if he's responding to, uh, you know, obviously signed a new contract extension, which is fantastic. And, if he's responding to the the coaching from Rogers, it's clear to see that you know a better Hitate is a better Celtic, isn't it? Definitely, there were a lot. That, well, obviously, like, just that comment there, better Hitate is a better Celtic. That is evident. You have seen what we've done against Lazio and Kilmarnock. They were two of our best performances so far this season, and Hitate started both the matches. So that is absolutely true. There were a lot of concerns at the start of the season about how Rio was going to do under Rogers. He was getting dropped, wasn't doing too well, but then he got the new contract and coming back from injury, it's given him a new lease of life. It was greatly encouraging to hear what Rodgers was sat down after the Lazio game because I don't think he was 
wasn't too good in that one. And Rodgers said, listen, he sat him down and he said he needs to be better and he's off the ball work, he's pressing, it's not just what you do when you're on the ball. And obviously Rio took that advice on board and he done really well at the weekend. Got his goal, which is a, a brilliant goal. We've been played over a million times already, getting put on European football social media accounts, which shows the level of it. So really good to see that and getting Hitati back to form is massive because we know how big of a player he can be for Celtic. Him, Matarelli, McGregor, we've touched on in that midfield. He has a relationship with Kyogo. He has a great relationship when he comes into that kind of inside left channel with the left winger, whether it be Palma, Greg Taylor. And we know what he can do. He's, he's a great talent. He's 25 years old and in a couple of years he'll be coming into his peak years. And hopefully with that extension, he can beat Celtic for those. Yeah. I agree. And I think like it's one of these things where under Ange, like he was given so much freedom and he was like the first name on the team sheet, kinda alongside Kyogo, where if he was fit, he was playing, end of story. And he would always play 60, 65 minutes. And he would just have that freedom to do what you want, but just make sure you win as the game kind of vibe, you know, within the framework that Ange kind of had. And it feels like maybe at first that was maybe a wee bit of a shock to the system when yeah. Rogers has come in and it's like, no, you need to earn the, your place again. And I'm gonna ask you because it's probably the main criticism we all have of Hitati is that he can get his pocket picked in possession or he can just kind of not sleep necessarily, but he can just let two minutes of the game disappear. You know, yeah. he's just not involved. He's not around. And yeah, there's stamina and whatever. I get that, of course. But I think, yeah, if Rogers is on a ironing that out of his game and he's on board where we're trying to do that, then yeah. So I also got a bit of a feel from Rogers as well when I heard him discussing this somewhere was that he said like, he's not that young. He is 25. Like, he does need to get his career going. You know, he needs to, like, be a man. He needs to be the man. You know, he needs to show up. He needs to be everything. And that, that was a wee bit of the sentiment I got from listening to Roger specifically. So, yeah, I'm buzzing for it. Yeah, I, I feel as though the point with Hitati, obviously, Roger's saying he's at a point in his career where he needs to become the man and, and get his act together. A lot of people I'm paraphrasing. Forget... Yeah, yeah, paraphrasing. Yeah. yeah. I, I get your point, like, I feel as though a lot of people though tend to forget he's, he wasn't playing professional football till he was like 21, 22, 20 years old because of obviously how the university system works in Japan. So he's about two or three years behind the development of a lot of players that are in that Celtic team at the minute. You look at Cameron Carter-Vickers, he was probably gaining first team minutes when he was 18, 19, out on loan from Spurs, whereas Rio is only starting to play in the J-League and he's 22, 23 obviously when he signed for us, he was 23 years old and I think he'd only played about a year with professional football and that's why we were so surprised with how well he'd done. So that's that's a point that a lot of people need to remember despite the fact he's 25, he's only had about three, three, four years in the game and he'll only just improve as time goes on. He's getting his physical part of his game is really good. He uses his body so well and just very, very encouraged by Rogers and his man management style that seems to be working. We've seen him, I don't know if you've seen the video of him, going about after full-time, joking, talking to Cameron Carter-Vickers and players like that. That's just, stuff like that's great to see. I don't mean to lambast post but you've rarely seen him doing things like that. Obviously, two different styles of management and different styles of management will work for both managers, but it's just, it's nice to see that on the eye that the player and the manager have that relationship there. Yeah, so a lot of hope and we'll be back next week. We'll be, we'll be previewing the matches that will be forthcoming a little bit better. We might have some more news and developments, may have some contract extensions, who knows? And hopefully, maybe in a game that doesn't really matter, maybe Scotland will beat France or something, who knows? Um, but yeah, Josh, until next week, mate. Hail, hail. Until next week, hail, hail. Hope you all enjoy the rest of the international break. <laughs>